The Museum of Teaching and Learning welcomes you to the premier episode of our series, Teaching in Times of COVID, stories dedicated to the experiences of educators in public, private, and home teaching settings. I'm Denise Steedman, your host. Today we're joined by Elizabeth, who is an assistant high school principal of instruction and operations in Orange County. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you, it's nice to be here. Would you tell us about your journey as an educator and how teaching led you to your current position? Sure, my pleasure. So I had the benefit of growing up and watching my mom um, teach you know, throughout my early years. And her classroom was a unique classroom and she served students with significant disabilities. So I would spend time at lunch break or after school in her classroom helping her decorate and um, get ready for her to serve her students. So watching her in action really instilled a love for teaching and helping others um, and really making it a priority to uh, teach and serve all learners. So in college, I uh, went down the path of becoming a teacher. I was able to obtain jobs as instructional aides and substitute teachers to that helped um, pay for college throughout the years. So after I graduated, um, that is the path that I chose, and I was so thankful to be in the profession of teaching. And I um, was a special education teacher for students with moderate to severe disabilities, and I started um, here in Southern California. Now, a lot of us uh, are not aware of what an assistant uh, principal does. What are <laughs> your duties? What is your average day like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, every day is different, and that's what I think I, I love about the job. So overall, my, um, my mission and vision is to truly serve and help support our teachers so then they can uh, impact their students effortlessly and knowing that they have the support of the administration in their classroom. So what that actually looks like is, um, is a variety of a variety different things that happen during the day. So I do start the day outside of the front of our school, welcoming our students in. Right now, due to our current environment, we're monitoring for um, you know health and safety and looking at symptom checkers. And we do have temperature, um, we check their temperatures and make sure that they have their masks on. So there's a few of those safety procedures as well as welcoming them that we ensure all students are ready for school. Uh, throughout the day, I offer support for maybe it's um, technical issues that teachers are having or um, they need help with family um, dynamics. So a lot of it is problem solving, making sure that the teachers have the tools they need for instruction um, and being able to be ready and prepared in the classroom. So in addition, I'm in charge of our facilities and operations. So making sure that our campus is safe and clean and ready, ready for our learners. So your students are back at school? Yes, um, right now the students, so I'm at a high school, a local high school here in Orange County, and our students are back but on a hybrid platform. So what that means is there are three groups of our students. There's one group that comes on Mondays and Thursdays and another group that comes on Tuesdays and Fridays. So those are the in-person groups and then there's also a group that stays at home all the time. So amongst the three groups at any given time, 
we have um, about 25% of the students on campus, so it is a reduced number, which does help with uh, the safety protocols and the measures we have in place. But, oh man, it is fantastic seeing the students back on campus, having their energy down the hallways, um, you know, just being able to enjoy their, um, their peer relationships as well as being in the classroom is absolutely fantastic. So we're, we're very thankful to have it, to be welcoming them back. <laughs> so let's uh, let's move the calendar back a little sure. bit. March of 2020. Mm -hmm. You find out that the schools are going to be closed. What a shock to the system! Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How how that rolled out? How yeah. you received that? How mm -hmm. uh, what changes were made immediately? Yeah. No. Good question. So. Um, you know, when, when I look back at that time, you know, of course, there was a lot of confusion and um, stress and anxiety, you know, not only at the school level, but within our community and nationwide. And that was a true opportunity for us to remember that um, being called to be a leader and serving others, you know, requires us to be calm and, um, and, and confident and to provide a place of security for our students and our staff during a time of crisis. So the way that that rolled out was the on-site administration was in constant communication with our district office, who as well was being advised by um, our, our California Department of Public Health, our county superintendent's office. So, I mean, just multiple phone calls, making sure that we're in concert together so what we did do was we ended up, um, you know, understanding that we were going to have to go on a lockdown, I believe we're right around March 13th, give or take. And uh, so we called an emergency staff meeting kind of in and got the staff together in a large area. <laughs> so um, and discussed our current situation and our next steps in our plan. So we wanted our staff to know before the parents and students, um, you know, right after that meeting, then we informed all stakeholders, including students and, and parents about the next steps with our plan. We were fortunate at uh, our, our high school because we had technology devices in every student's hands already. So thankfully the students had the tools to go to keep learning continuous and that was a priority that our superintendent never gave up, um, was that learning was not going to pause. Uh, so, so that was a priority early on from day one, and the expectation for the students and the parents and the teachers knew that the students deserved an education and that we didn't want to take a break from that. So, um, so that is, we're very fortunate to have some of those key elements in place to make the transition smoother. Mm -hmm. And how long did, did that take to notify the, the parents and get this up and, and running? Yeah. So it, it honestly took just a couple of hours. I mean, we held an emergency staff meeting that took about 30 minutes. Right after that, we had people drafting letters. Um, the letter was, you know, consistent throughout the district, making sure that we were all on the same page then that was instantly sent out to students and um, parents as well. And then uh, the plan for the on continuous online instruction was delivered to both the, the teachers and to the parents at the same time and, um, and informing them that student learning is a priority. 
So working out, of course, the nuances, um, that, that did take some more time. And we, you know, began to grow and um, acquire new technology that helps us, um, you know, to have better practices even today. So, uh, May I ask, how many students do you have at your high school? Yes. So um, the high school that I serve has about 1,700 students right now. So a large high school. Mm -hmm. That's, that's yes. a lot of households to yes. notify and get that up and running. Yes. How did the parents react to this? Yes, so parents were very understanding, um, you know, and they definitely supported the closure right away. The difficult part was understanding that learning was still a priority and that we were going to um, continue to have the expectations of student learning. That wasn't consistent across all districts in our county. So that was a point of confusion for parents where maybe a younger child in a different district didn't have the same expectations that we were having. So um, that required us to continue to deliver the narrative and inform parents and students that you do need to go on to your Chromebook, there is work waiting for you and we have instruction you know, available through the virtual platform. So, um, so that did take a bit of adjusting too. Mm -hmm. And for the, the instructors, mm -hmm. uh, your teachers, did you feel that they uh, were able to move quickly into the technology? Had this been something that they'd been using all along? Yeah, good question. So we rolled out the one-on-one -on -one devices about four years prior to the lockdown. So that um, really, by, by the time that we went into lockdown, all teachers were using the Chromebooks, their Chromebook devices. Uh, they knew how to set up, you know, Google Classrooms and deliver instruction even at the most basic level through that through the device. Now, of course, as we progress and we're a year into this, uh, the technology and the learning curve has just has been absolutely tremendous. So, um, so that we continue to walk alongside the teachers, but we're so thankful that we've also had four years prior of a lot of teacher training, um, teacher camps, lots of different professional development opportunities so that teachers could have a variety of educational technology tools and understand how to implement them effectively to engage their learners. But, um, but, but there's still a steep learning curve and some thrive and, and others need some more handholding and that's okay. Uh, since your teachers were trained mm -hmm. essentially uh, without anticipating <laughs> a global pandemic, uh -huh. so what you're saying is that your administration, you, uh -huh. uh, your principal in the district, uh, were able to just fill in those spots mm -hmm. and have them uh, adjust to your needs. Mm -hmm. uh, did the, the, when the parents and the children, when they had uh, tech problems, if they weren't able to log on, mm -hmm. how was that uh, addressed? Yeah. How would you communicate mm -hmm. with them and do you have hours, that mm -hmm. kind of thing that they can call and, yeah. hey, I have this problem, yeah. can you help me? Yeah. So right away, that was um, probably the most difficult barrier because um, we were operating under, you know, a strict lockdown. So then we would have to think, oh my, you know, if they have a technology issue, what would that look like for, um, for them coming to school? And what if something happened on their way to school? Are we responsible or liable for that? 
So that was the most difficult barrier in the first couple of weeks. But then, um, you know, through communication, like you said, with our administration team and the superintendent, that we really had to prioritize and keep our vision on student learning was at the utmost importance. So those were, we were able to make accommodations through safe work hours, um, no touch deliveries, and just kind of swap out their Chromebook or their device through no touch delivery systems. If students or parents felt uncomfortable coming to the school during, during that um, initial lockdown, then we would provide it to their house with a no touch delivery and, and kind of swap it out in a safe method through that. So we were able to quickly rectify that and problem solve. Um, the biggest you know, change was initially our students were operating under an asynchronous learning environment as I believe most schools were. And what you know that means is that the students were required to log on and you know they would take attendance with the teacher kind of quickly and then they would go through their work. But there wasn't that live face-to-face -face instruction uh, happening consistently through all classes. And this is during that initial early March 2020 uh, time. And so that was an area that we saw that needed some growth and development. So throughout the, the months, we were able to acquire large cameras as well as um, you know accounts through Zoom. So it was rather quickly that then we pivoted and we went towards a um, requirement and an expectation that teachers would be online having a live synchronous uh, lesson uh, via Zoom um, or Google Meets and that they would um, be providing that high quality instruction to the students. So that was the major pivot that we saw with technology um, and really trying to keep that focus on the student learning as a priority. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can tell us what the attendance was like before mm -hmm. you did the Zoom meetings. So it was a live class mm -hmm. classroom experience for the students. Mm -hmm. Was it easier for them to log on and, and see that instructor in front of them, kind of a, not quite in the classroom, mm -hmm. but a classroom? Yes, yeah. No, you're right. Um, it, attendance definitely does increase when we have that, we're trying to replicate more of that face-to-face -face environment. Right, so whether it's through Zoom or we're now back in that hybrid platform, uh, that helps build the communities that are necessary for the students to feel um, you know, engaged and important and valued in the classroom. And yes. what are the average sizes of those classes? Uh, an instructor would normally in the mm -hmm. classroom have, what, 20 to 30 students yeah. mm -hmm. uh, during a high school period yeah. teaching mm -hmm. uh, time. So what was the size of an online class? So they were all the same. So the classes oh. and the class schedules, everything stayed the same. So as we were planning for the upcoming year, um, then we would we put the kids in the classes as if they would typically be in a class. And now at the high school level, there's a variety of different pathways and opportunities. And there's CTE programs and our international baccalaureate programs, agricultural science and um, engineering pathways. And so there's so many uh, different programs that are available that we wanted our students to still have the opportunities for. So their schedules maintained um, continuity as if, as if we, the pandemic didn't exist. They were able to choose from the electives and the pathways um, as they normally would. And then we were able to provide 
these high-tech uh, cameras that were in the classroom. So the teacher would be in an empty classroom and being able to live stream their lesson. And the students who are in hybrid are there watching the teacher and the students who are at home because it's not their hybrid day or they choose to stay at home, um, you know, just due to the mm -hmm. safety measures, then they get to participate and see it in a virtual platform. So that provided uh, the experiences that students were used to having at the high school and the opportunities in the classes that they were um, expecting. So we, we did not change our course offerings, um, but rather just change the technology and the delivery platform for our students. And that came after the initial shutdown. Yes. Mm -hmm. So everything was just uploaded online for them to go through their class experience mm -hmm. on their own. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as you evolved mm -hmm. and uh, created a hybrid experience mm -hmm. for the school and the students, uh, the cameras were included mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at that time. Yes. So that would have been fall of last year? Correct, yes, fall fall of last year. Now, during the initial lockdown, it was the expectation that the student would be going to class, and most of them did it via Zoom also, so we had Zoom available right away. So they were, um, the expectation right away was that they were to be in class during the school hours, but the learning took place in a more like asynchronous platform where, um, you know, possibly in English, they would be writing an essay and, you know, not online the whole time. So uh, so the change really happened when we were able to have that camera in the classroom where the teacher could walk around the classroom and still be um, streamed in all in all areas. So um, so right away, yes, the students were online, and that was the expectation throughout the school day. But um, but we understood that a lot of the learning activities had to take place sort of outside um, in a more asynchronous platform and, and getting back in contact with the teachers. So um, so it did feel like there was more normalcy once fall came and we were able to have the cameras in the classroom. <laughs> if I can have you go back to last summer, uh -huh. I have a couple of questions. Did you offer? a uh, summer school mm -hmm. experience online for your students? We did, yes. Um, there was a summer school opportunity and that was mainly for students to recover or recoup missing credits and units to help them uh, graduate on time. So uh, it's not an opportunity for students to advance and to um, you know, try to do more, but, but rather to meet the needs of the students who need that for their, their high school diploma. In addition, we offered a um, kind of like a reading boot camp, a, uh, and that was for students who might have been experiencing some learning loss from the middle school who were articulating in to the ninth graders, so to give them some extra steps uh, before high school started. And that was virtual, and that was offered uh, for six weeks. As an administrator, mm -hmm. it must have been around that time that you had gotten together with your principal and the district to decide how to handle the new fall mm -hmm. schedule, mm -hmm. the new fall experience for the teachers. Mm -hmm. How was that determined? How, would, yeah. how did you decide, okay, we're going to go another semester yeah. and we'll take a look at it at, during the Christmas break? Or did you just know that the entire uh, school year, 2020-21, would be uh, 
virtual. Yeah, good question. No, we, we definitely did not know that we would still be <laughs> in this current situation. Um, but during the summer, the most important part, and the thing that I'm really proud about is that our district had a priority to increase communication lines with amongst all of our stakeholders. So we had a variety of different subgroups. We had a health and safety subgroup, we had a communication subgroup, we had an instruction subgroup and mental health subgroup. And throughout these little groups and, or committees, we invited um, administration, teachers, uh, our classified employees, parents, students, grandparents, business owners, so as many stakeholders as we could um, from a variety of different schools within our district. And we wanted everybody to be a part of these kind of think tank teams, um, targeting and focusing on, on different important issues that were currently impacting our students. So the idea was to really um, help understand how we can best communicate, how we can best plan for safety, how we can best plan for um, you know, instruction during this time as well as our mental health uh, for our students. And throughout that process, what happened during the summer was we were able to develop a variety of plans to help us um, be able to make the necessary adjustments given what, whatever the, the new situation was going to be. So it allowed flexibility. Our goal was always to bring students back on campus when we are allowed to, when it was safe. We know that students being together face-to-face -face is um, what's best for them under typical circumstances. So once it was safe, we wanted to be ready to go. We didn't want to wait. Um, and that, so the, the planning over the summer really helped us get back to and make sure that the students were engaged with cameras on uh, during that eight to three time period during their classroom, their instruction time. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, a fabulous, inclusive, comprehensive idea to get everyone mm -hmm. involved, uh, including businesses, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. are affected mm -hmm. by your high school, mm -hmm. and parents, working mm -hmm. parents, non-working parents, mm -hmm. grandparents. Mm -hmm. I think that's great because mm -hmm. there may be some extended family members yeah. who are guardians mm -hmm. or in charge of the children's mm -hmm. education, maybe when the parents are working mm -hmm. as such, so that's super. Yeah. How about sports? Let's yeah. talk about that. I know that it's changed recently, Yes. but let's go back to last year, uh -huh. and uh, obviously it had a huge impact yes. on the, your sports program. Yes. So how was that handled? What yeah. did your coaches have to do to adjust in the students? Yes, well, sports has always been um, a very difficult uh, thing to navigate the recently with the pandemic, but right away during the initial lockdown, and if my memory serves me correctly, we, um, we were not, we had to pause all of our sports and athletics uh, due to the stay-at-home orders. And in addition, then we had to really understand and work with legal to to understand what the impact um, or a requirement was of maybe a coach that said, hey, you know, for, for fun, for some physical fitness, I want you guys to, um, you know, do A, B, and C and have a workout. So we, we had to understand what that direction, what, what our coaches were allowed to give maybe as homework uh, for them to work out. 
and make sure that that they were safe and that um, you know if something happened to them at home you know is there an adult nearby that can help them seek medical attention so we had to work through a lot of that at the beginning as well as in the summer um, and really our programs were just put on a major hold um, a big holding pattern so as things now have slowly started to open up with our hybrid programs during hybrid, we would, uh, once it was safe and the California Department of Public Health was able to give us the green light, then we opened up outdoor practices for our students. Now they would have to have their masks and they had taken their <clears throat> symptoms checker as well as um, taking their temperature before coming on campus. But all of that was done safely and they were able to practice outdoors. And these were um, non-contact practices, so maybe just jogging around and uh, individual drills, a lot of individual activities. But as things have began to progress this week in particular, there are some dramatic changes. So, the, um, so we now have learned that we, that the state of California, we are allowed to start competition, and that began this past week. And we are closely, uh, we're kind of going back to what we did almost a year ago, where we get new guidelines and, uh, and instructions at the state level. And together, we quickly come together as a site and as well as the whole district, uh, all the principals and athletic directors, and we you know, digest the document and understand how are we going to implement these guidelines and these strategies so our students can participate in a safe manner. So, um, so we, and they're changing, they're changing very quickly. So we got some new updates on Thursday for opening up possibly indoor sports and what that will look like and the safety measures and protocols we'll need to implement for, for indoor sports. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're thankful to have the guidelines from the state of California, but we are kind of back in that, okay, let's all get together and quickly digest this and communicate as, um, as quickly as we can and as appropriately as we can to our parents and our constituents um, about the next steps. So we're looking forward to seeing our students competing and enjoying um, physical competition once again. But yes. <laughs> my, my first thoughts are if you're playing football in the spring, which is usually a fall sport, uh -huh. along with basketball as it goes around yes. the, the sports calendar, mm -hmm. how are you integrating all of these sports at once? Or are you not? <laughs> um, so that, that's part of the conversation. And we're lucky that we are a part of um, CIF, which is a governing board for our local area. And they do provide us with some of those guidelines. Um, you're right, typically students are able to participate in multiple sports. But right now with the truncated seasons, uh, you know, some can because it will work out that way, but others uh, just will not be able to participate in everything. And then they also have to be careful about not crossing over teams. So if you're practicing with one team, um, you know, to make sure, see what the guidelines say about them practicing with another team, because we want to make we want to ensure that we are monitoring and tracking their movements and who they're interacting with, because if there is a student who tests positive, then we need to make sure that, that everybody that was in close contact is quarantined for the appropriate amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how the testing works at a high school. Do you do any testing there on campus or, or yes. is this brought to you by a student or family? Yes. to say, hey, mm -hmm. I think I've been exposed, I've been tested, and now I'm positive or negative. Yeah. How does that work? 
Good question. So, so that is changing as well. Um, typically, what we had done all school year was the staff, the, all the staff was um, tested on a very regular basis. And um, so we ensured that our staff was safe and um, would follow those protocols. And then we would be taking any phone calls from parents, uh, letters about possible exposures or, um, you know, students testing positive. And then we would be advising uh, for, based upon that information that was provided to us. But now for sports and competitions, we are required to test um, students before they compete and to get those back in a timely manner. Uh, and then we are, you know, able to, we need to follow up on that and see who they were around with in close contact to and that they, that the other students would be impacted as well. So that is changing. Yes, so <laughs> yeah. you're doing testing and, and uh, following up yes. with yeah, the tracing. Mm -hmm. Let's take a, a look a little closer at home. Mm -hmm. We know that you have two boys mm -hmm. and that your husband is an educator as well. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us how your family <laughs> adjusted to all of this last March? Yeah, yeah. no, thanks. So, um, you know, before March 2020, it was a very busy time for our family, as I'm sure many families in Orange County, where we're sprinting around from um, soccer to baseball to swimming and um you know, squeezing in church. And so we were very, we were very busy and on the go. And then once, you know, the, the pandemic hit and the lockdown started, it felt like we went from a hundred to zero and just hit the brakes in full stop. So there was, um, you know, t times and moments of, and, and of course, I think every day I was full of gratitude for the health and safety of my own family and the time together and also just being reflective of um, of our lives and and knowing and kind of getting back to what's important. So that that was a great opportunity for our family to reconnect on a different level, um, without the busyness of of what society brings. So um, so we enjoyed you know that that time we did, and as the months went on, we realized that we needed to rearrange our house and have some more uh, some more desks and and workstations around. <laughs> so out went an old spare bed and in went some, you know, a, a quick six foot portable table as a makeshift desk for, <laughs> for us. And we, we just kind of pivoted and, and made the adjustments that we needed to, to get by, um, you know, got some extra headphones and, and off we went. So we, we definitely made it work. Um, it, what, it's never easy, of course, when you're in a Zoom meeting and the dog's barking and the kid's crying. And <laughs> but, um, but, I was, but we were really thankful for the opportunity to you know, be together and refocus on some of those family values. Now, uh, currently, since the school year, I or even since the summer, I have been back to work on campus Monday through Friday. Uh, so my husband is there with the boys and he's zooming and the boys are zooming in for their instruction as well. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm very fortunate and thankful that my boys do get along. So that's been a tremendous blessing that the majority of the time uh, they're, they're friends and, and they don't have an issue sharing space. But I do empathize with parents who I speak to a lot of parents during the day and they have a hard time they have requirements and they have to go to work and you know to get food on the table and their student is at home um, which is age appropriate and the student but the student is responsible and required to log on to the classes and complete their work 
but without an adult there right next to you or somebody in the house giving you those prompts of, you know, this is the next expectation, it is all too tempting to, you know, toggle off your work and open up a new screen and maybe go on YouTube or just shut down your Chromebook. And so this is the conversation that I'm hearing, um, you know, amongst our community. and, And it is very difficult to maintain to keep that motivation and um and to make sure that the students are learning even if they're you know home alone so yeah do you think that will have an impact on testing on uh future uh, placement Mm -hmm. do you think some students might fall behind absolutely Uh, it sounds like you have great resources available on campus Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. through the district how how might that be addressed yeah. in the future? No, absolutely. Um, you know, and I'll be interested to see, like you said, how how this impacts, uh, you know, a variety of students and learners. We we do see that um, you know some students are able to log on and you know get the work done, and, and others have you know a more difficult time. So we have to be mindful of what do those home environments look like for each student. Uh, what is the access? What is their access to reliable internet? We've tried to mitigate that by offering free hotspots to students who who express any need. Um, but regardless of providing a hotspot, I mean, there's there's a lot of inequities um, when you look at a home environment and having the same expectations. So we are working together to take a very student-centered approach and make sure that we understand the whole child, um, you know, when we're moving forward in education. But we are going to see the lasting impacts of this learning loss that has taken place during this time. Um, so it, it's it's real. I think it's going to impact all students. However, I think particular students are going to have more opportunity gaps. This is This is creating... Um, a significant gap in their life that um, that can lead to some yeah opportunity gaps in their future. So we're going to have to work diligently to um, target and focus and help bring up the capacity of all learners once once we get them all back to campus. I'd like to ask you two final questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked. You just talked about how this is impacting the students, how they may be. Uh, affected, maybe uh, lose a little bit here Mm -hmm. and there, and I assume that your staff will be on the lookout for Mm -hmm. that and that resources will be offered for Mm -hmm. these students to catch up a little bit. Um, Let's talk about education broadly. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this will have a permanent impact in a high school uh, education for the students and the teachers? Do you think there'll be more online teaching, mm-hmm. for example? How will this look yeah. in the future? Will this always be in the back of your mind? Yeah. You know, what if the next something yeah. happens? Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, I do think that it will change the bigger picture, the, the field of education um, for the long haul. And Parts of that is, I mean, sure, there are some benefits of it. I mean, now we know how to use Zoom all too well, and we know how to, um, you know, kind of create some more flexible lessons and use technology more effectively in the classroom. Um, But I think the bigger picture is really looking at that significant learning loss for a a generation and the impacts um, that that will have for for our entire society. So I do think that we will grow as the field of education that we now have some more tools under our belts 
Um, and I think we will develop more, that we have a, will continue to learn more about the social emotional learning and the impacts that this has caused on our students and the importance of that. I think we'll also start to understand uh, the impacts of being in person, seeing people face to face versus learning online and how that does or does not, um, you know, um, help student achievement. But I think I'm very interested to, um, to learn more about what this is going to look like. So we're trying to take those proactive approaches. And uh, I think the, as the years come, we will have a much better understanding of the impacts and how we can help mitigate uh, this learning loss and help our students throughout this process. But, um, but yes, I think this is a huge change for education and we will um, definitely be re-looking at our safety plans um, to include a variety of, of issues. And now that we have this, um, hopefully we're at the tail end and we're saying goodbye but to, to the pandemic, but we will definitely be readjusting and um, making sure that we are more proactive in the future mm -hmm, for such a situation. And here's a, another personal question. Mm -hmm. May we ask you, what are you most proud of? Good question. Um, the thing that I am most proud of would be twofold. And it, it would definitely be, of course, um, having the support and the love of my family and remembering, you know, that part of my foundation is, is um, my family life and the support of my husband and my two boys has just been tremendous. But I'm also most proud of the fact that together as a district, we have been able to be um, calm and optimistic and to truly increase communication throughout all stakeholders. So I think that that is something that we have definitely grown tremendously in, that um, all issues have been very well communicated through teachers and staff members, parents, students, business owners. So that has been something that I've been tremendously proud of. Um, throughout all of these circumstances, um, you know, trying to stay positive and calm and to, um, you know, lead with grace and love for our students is um, part of the vision of of our district and I guess of my own that I am most proud of and that I know will continue to be a focus and a priority in the future. Elizabeth, yes. thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Please visit our website, www.modal.org. That's M-O-T-A-L dot org to learn more about our exhibits, events, artifact collection, and more. Also, find us on Modal's YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram. Museum of Teaching and Learning. We educate people about education. Teaching in the Times of COVID is brought to you by the Museum of Teaching and Learning and is the sole owner of its content.